Can I tell you about something magical that happened to me this summer? Magical to me anyway. So we have a bunch of citrus trees in our backyard. And one morning I was casually walking by one of our orange trees. It was the time of year, you know, where the orange blossoms are really abundant and they're all over the tree. It smelled absolutely divine. But as I was walking out of the corner of my eye, I saw just this little glimpse. It was enough to stop me in my tracks, at least. I saw the most beautiful thing, something that I'd never seen before. It was this little teeny tiny formation of an orange. I'm talking tiny, but it was there. And I saw it for the first time. It was amazing. I couldn't stop staring at it. The flower just started transforming into a fruit. So why am I telling you this random story? Well, because having that chance experience of seeing the flower just becoming a fruit gave me a whole new connection to a tree that's been in our backyard forever. Usually I just see either green leaves and then the fragrant flowers after time. And before I know it, the fruit is just fully formed and we pick the oranges to eat. But this time I actually paid attention and I witnessed nature's magic. That orange tree is just outside our kitchen window, and now I watch how the tree is transforming every single day. I'm seeing how the fruit is getting bigger and bigger, you know, how its color is changing from being this really dark green to getting lighter and then subtly transitioning to orange and eventually a deep orange color. That experience reminded me how wonderful and how important it is to connect with the plants around us to witness their transformation, their response to climate changes. You know, it's not unlike watching a human being grow up and respond to their environment, right? Well, I wanted to do an episode about connecting with plants, specifically aromatic plants, because this is a podcast about our sense of smell after all, right? <laughs> so I brought in someone who I knew would be the perfect person to talk about the subject and who would also have lots of great tips for us. And let me tell you, there are lots of great tips packed into this conversation. Let me introduce you to my guest today. Her name is Jade Schutz. Jade is an aromatherapist, an herbalist, an author, researcher, gardener, and aromatic distiller. She holds a diploma in holistic aromatherapy, holistic massage, anatomy and physiology, and reflexology from the Raworth College of Natural Medicine in Dorking, UK and a Diploma in Aromatherapy from the International Therapist Examining Board. She also holds a Certificate in Herbal Medicine. Jade has been an aromatherapy practitioner, researcher, and educator for over three decades now, and is the founder of the School for Aromatic Studies. She served two terms as president for the National Association for Holistic Aromatherapy, and is the author of Aromatherapy for Body Works, co-author of the Carrier Oil Palette, and the main author of The Ultimate Guide to Aromatherapy. Jade and I talk all about what it means to connect with aromatic plants, why it's so important. You want to listen closely if you work with essential oils. And we get into how to grow your own aromatic plants and how to take care of them, which was really helpful to me because I don't have a green thumb. There are even tips for those who might live in a more urban environment and don't have access to a lot of natural green spaces. So let's get started. Enjoy my conversation with Jade Schutz. This is an aromatic life 
the podcast that aims to shed light on our beautiful sense of smell and increase its profile in a culture dominated by sight and sound. My name is Frau Gagalia. I'm a certified aromatherapist and smell coach who spent over 20 years in and around the fragrance industry. What I know for sure after all these years is that our sense of smell is powerful, yet is so underappreciated. There's so much we can do to harness our sense of smell to be well. So join me as I explore this mesmerizing sense from all different angles and learn what it can do for you. Enjoy the show. Hey, Jade, I want to welcome you to an aromatic life. I'm so happy you're here today. I can't wait, wait, wait to talk to you. Yay. <laughs> me too. I'm looking forward to our talk. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to have you on when we started to talk a little bit, you know, like what are the, there's so many things that we could talk about because you have such a rich, extensive career in, uh, in aromatherapy and there were so many different things we could talk about. But I think you and I agree that one of the things we really wanted to focus on in this episode, because we could have many episodes, right, <laughs> is connecting with aromatic plants. And I think that's such an important thing. Um, to talk about. So I'm really grateful that you're here to have that discussion. I have lots of questions for you because I have no green thumb. <laughs> I'm unfortunately, I'm not very good with plants, although I keep trying. I'm not going to give up. Yay. Calendula is the easiest to start with. <laughs> oh, good, good. A little tip at the beginning. I love that. I'm going to have to start with that one. <laughs> okay. So before we get into the aromatic plants though, I always like to ask my guests a question about our sense of smell because, you know, this is a podcast about smelling. So um, let me ask you, if I were to say sense of smell, kind of, what comes to mind for you first? Like, what does the sense of smell mean to you? Yeah, I love that question. I've thought quite a bit about it, actually. So, do you know, my sense of smell, I would say uh, some words that first come to mind would be things like connection. Um, a kind of a wider perception of something, but I definitely feel like I use my sense of smell um, as part of how I navigate or orientate myself in where, you know, the world, the experience that I'm having. Um, it helps kind of, it's a tool I use for listening, right? Like oh. I listen through my sense of smell to the environment, to the people, um, and that's what I mean when I say I use it as a sense of, of orientation in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so true. And, you know, I work a lot with people who, who've lost their sense of smell or have never had a sense. Well, I would say more the people who've lost it than the ones that have never known smell, but right. for them, it really is terribly disorienting. And oh, um, so, the, yep. yeah. I also lost my sense of smell during COVID. I had Did it you? over a year ago and it was very disorientating and it was very upsetting. And I realized, um, you know, of course we all realize its value when it's not there, right? right. But um, yeah, I really struggled actually. It, it was quite distressful. I, I, I feel like it was almost like a, a, a trauma not to have my sense of smell. And thankfully it did come back. I think it was a total of three months, okay. um, but I did work with smell training and oh, um, 
And I also, just because I smell everything, right? It was like every day I'm like smelling, smelling, like just trying, you know, evoking that, that sense again. So, but I'm very grateful um, that I did get it back. And I, I, you know, my heart goes out to people who are still struggling with the loss, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It is really challenging. It is. So, and I think one of the messages they always give me is, you know, get the message out there. You know, you have the sense when you have it and use it, um, you know, savor it, <laughs> use yeah. it as much as you can smell everything just like you're doing. So that's wonderful. Yeah. Good, 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 good. So can we take a trip down memory lane and kind of go back to your childhood? Yeah. So I was born in Pensacola, Florida, Ooh. but I was born into a military family. So we moved around quite a bit as my dad moved, moved to different places for um, the Marines at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but Pensacola, Florida. Yep. Very yeah. interesting. And then, so did you, so you said you moved around a lot, even when you were a little kid, right? You would move yeah. around. Okay. Yeah. Every few years we were moving. So North Carolina, South Carolina, my younger sister was born in Buffalo, New York, California. We lived a few years. And then I really consider Massachusetts my home home okay. because I spent from sixth grade to college. Actually, I went to school in Boston. So oh. um, I do consider Massachusetts. I don't think of Florida as a home. I think of Massachusetts as my home. Yeah. Okay. And when you think of Massachusetts, anything come to mind as it relates to smell? Any smell? Yeah, you, you know, actually, the one thing that arises, because growing up there, I spent a lot of time in the library. I mean, those were the days we read, read books. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> and that question, what it evoked in me is this memory of, I, you know, I've always smelled books, like, like old books, yes. like, just like, there's something about when you have a book, you, like, one of the things you do to experience it besides reading, of course, is, is to smell the book, like, mm. especially if there's a history, and there's something about the smell of a library. Um, yes. I don't know, there's just like, it evokes uh, intrigue, like you want to read and learn, at yeah. least at that time. I mean, that's what I remember. I have fond memories of being in the library, and even of specific books and how they smelled, and how I felt when I was reading them but smell was definitely a part of that oh. and then I don't have a lot of like memories as a child of of smell smell related memories the one that came besides the library and books was my grandmother Irma mm -hmm. I don't know what cologne she wore perfume but I remember her like I liked the way she smelled like that you know there was something kind of a sweet uh like nurturing quality to the aroma from my grandmother Irma. yeah yeah oh that's wonderful um I, just to get back to the library thing for a minute I because I still try to go to libraries now I just love libraries like like you do too. And yeah. they really have changed. The smell of the libraries have changed because there are less books. There is more digital yeah. stuff going on. So you see actually more computers in libraries and, and half the books are gone, which is it's a little sad. It's a little bit more sanitized now than it used to be. So. No, actually like that just reminded me of a library I went into in Canada, actually not so many years ago. And that you're right, there is, there's like a, a sanitizing of what was kind of filled with 
smells and energy of yeah like people reading and books and yeah that's that's and a history a just history yeah. and history yeah. and history yeah when did you start to first get into aromatherapy I'm assuming as a kid you didn't go around like you said you didn't go around smelling things a lot right you didn't I didn't no but you know I did garden a lot with my mom my mom was the big gardener we grew mostly vegetables but she also really liked flowers so Ah. that probably initiated me into um, gardening and plants and then I have to say the most transformative experience was I had graduated from college I had a BA in business marketing I was working in an accounting office (laughs) And I just remember looking out the window, thinking to myself, there must be something better in life than this. Oh my gosh. I cannot picture you sitting in an office accounting. That just doesn't, oh, yeah. not that I know I wore, you well, but. I wore the clothes. I rode the train. I went to work. Uh, yes. We I did, did what we had to do. receivable. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but my last year of college, yeah, I went on an exchange program to England. My great grandfather was British. So I felt a deep connection to England. And I mean, literally I arrived there. I felt like it was a familiar landscape. I walked around, I never felt lost. And it was actually England, you know, you're, you're going there. So, you know, this to be true. And, And especially in London, it's just, there's plants everywhere. Like at least when I was there, I have this image of just I, I don't know if there's something that comforts me the most, it's seeing flowers. Yeah. And so, and a, a big experience in England was to walk through the bluebell forest. And I mean, I know they're not like aromatic, but the forest itself, I guess, has an aroma. Sure. Yeah. And so my connection with, with nature, I guess, in this was always there. It's definitely a source of great comfort. It's where I go when I need healing or peace of mind or just need breathing space. But then in England, I actually developed health problems. And I was, I actually ended up marrying a Brit, moved there. And then I developed like back pain and it was quite debilitating. And someone actually recommended I go see their friend, Sophie, an aromatherapist. So it was the first time I really was exposed to this idea of aroma as, you know, therapy. And of course, in England, it's with massage and whatnot. Sure. But I went and had a session with her and I had a beautiful experience. We were outside in the country south of London, beautiful home upstairs, skylight. It was a sunny day in England. (laughs) Um, And she gave me the massage, you know, she customized a blend, gave me the massage. And I literally, I fell asleep. And when I woke up, literally, I mean, I share this story quite frequently. I opened my eyes and I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. It just so deeply, it was like, it awoke something in me, right? Mm. It just was so powerful. So that really began my journey. But then of course I recognized, yeah, my sense of smell was always important, but it wasn't a conscious thing. Right. It was kind of always there, but you didn't yeah. know you could didn't know you could use it for good, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so you stayed in the UK for a while and you you started studying yeah, therapy, right? 
Yeah, after that experience, within a few months, actually, I right away started looking for schools. And so I went, I began probably within five or six months of that treatment, I was enrolled in uh, the Raworth Institute of Natural Health, which was in Dorking, just south of London, Mm -hmm. and went through the training program. I tried to develop a practice there, but England was going through a difficult economic time. So I went, uh, came back uh, to the United States. United States in 1991. Okay. And of course, like those days, nobody was working with aromatherapy, maybe like a little bit in California, some in Colorado, of course. But in Boston, I returned to Boston and nobody knew. And I found I was developed my practice. I was working with an esthetician outside of Boston and started seeing clients for aromatherapy massage Mm -hmm. and everyone kept asking me what is aromatherapy and that (laughs) launched my career as far as education goes I mean I started teaching at you know adult community education programs were really popular during those years Um, so I was in Boston and some of the suburbs of Boston aesthetic schools massage schools because it was like emerging as what is aromatherapy And I think a big pivotal point is People Magazine ran an article, the front cover was Lady Die, and the word aromatherapy was on the cover, like she spent a lot of money doing, like having aromatherapy alternative treatments in in the UK, and I was like, oh my gosh, finally, like, it's going to get into like pop culture, like it's on People, Lady Die, it's like perfect. (laughs) You know, because yeah. those early days, I mean, even yoga was considered kind of woo woo, sure. you know, moon howling kind of thing. So it's early, it's early days. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, I can only imagine in the 90s how, yeah, I mean, it didn't even pick up. I know later on, I think some of just the brands, the, the, the brands that you see on store shelves, like at Target, Walmart and things, they started using the word aromatherapy just for body washes and things that came along later. But that's not true aromatherapy. <laughs> that's just using the yeah, word aromatherapy. It was like the, the body shop, I think, was emerging at that time. Yes. I can't remember the owner's name, but yeah, it was definitely and the US, like in England, I feel like it was a practitioner driven um field where the U.S., those early days, it really came in through the ind- uh, the gift industry. Uh-huh. Um, and so there was a lot in the gift industry. And also, you know, like Michael Scholes or Aroma Vera uh, with Marcel Lavab, they, they were pushing a big, huge market for the spa industry. So it was sl- uh-huh. those are the two kind of early growth areas of aromatherapy were in those two industries. Yeah. Interesting. Versus the kind of clinical aspect, you know, it really just was much later that that developed. Right, right, right. So would you say back when you started, were people not taking, I mean, I guess the, the people you were working with were taking you seriously, but when you told people what you did, just. Oh my gosh. What did they They're say? Like, eyes would roll up. I mean, sometimes in some way they still do it. They're still, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. They're still like this. You you do what? Like, like, how is that even possible? And, you know, depending on who I'm talking to, sometimes I have to get real intellectual and like, you know, come across <laughs> as being like scholarly about it, you know, because yeah. there's this suspicion, like, what is this and how does it work and what? It's because we don't really think about 
smelling. I mean, it's not, I know aromatherapy is more than just smelling, but um, even that just that basic thing because smell is not really in our everyday consciousness. Yeah. You know, we're very visual and oral, but yeah. So yeah. we're going to change I, that. I mean, you, One. you exactly. I mean, you've interviewed a lot of people and I remember years ago, I was talking with someone from NPR. We were talking, you know, and, and her, one of the comments I remember her making is in different countries, smell is still really like utilized within like markets. You know, you go to an open market, all the spices and the aromas and the food cooking. And, you know, yeah. whereas in the US, it's more like we've become sterile and like even grocery shopping, right? Yes. It's not like even if they cook there, there's never a smell. That's right. Like, I don't, I don't know where the smell God forbid goes. There's they a smell. You have to get rid of it immediately. <laughs> right. Offend somebody. <laughs> it's like, but when you're like someone's cooking food, you want to smell, right? Yeah. But yeah, like our environments have become, you know, very um, yeah, sterile again, like libraries. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's it's so fascinating how the US is is really different to a lot of countries. I mean, in varying degrees, I'm sure it's happening everywhere, but I would say the US is one of the most quote sterile yeah. countries <laughs> that yeah. I've visited. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, I mean, a lot of uh is like reaction to too much people wearing too much perfume or like that whole thing, which mm. kind of, you know misorientates I think people to the power of the sense of smell or the beauty of the sense of smell when it comes to like natural right like because yes. I feel there's a difference yeah no absolutely because I know I know people who have multi-chemical sensitivities and I I totally respect that and I understand that's very difficult and I think there are a lot of really strong um artificial or synthetic scents out there that's I too don't love, <laughs> but um, yeah. we don't have a chance to really connect with natural smells that much because we are sanitizing so much. So it's, Absolutely. it's, it's yeah. a problem. Let's get into the aromatic plants because that is nature at its core, right? <laughs> the, the uh, aromatic... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to talk about all things aromatic plants. I ha I myself am trying to connect with them more. I live in a part of California where we don't, we have droughts here. We don't have, we're not supposed to use a lot of water. <laughs> it's, it's very challenging to grow things here. So I'm so envious of you're on the East coast, right? You're in Virginia. Correct. Yep. I'm in Virginia. Yeah. Oh, lucky you, you can, you get rain, you can use, you can use water. Um, so tell me just in general, what makes aromatic plants so magical from your perspective? Well, <laughs> Where to begin? You know, I, I grow a lot of aromatic plants. Um, I'll share, you know, a, a number of years ago, I took a herbal program with a, a woman out in Asheville and I met this landscaper and she made this point of saying, you know, one of her goals with her landscaping business was to move people from having just like shrubbery yes. to having, you know, aromatic and medicinal plants and I thought well, that's such a great idea because it's it's similar I know we keep using this like sterile word but it's like shrubbery or shrubs it's like they just kind of sit there and you yeah. know they don't they they smell of course like it, every plant has some type of of, of smell, of odor, plant yeah, smell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah but you know imagine like actually you walk out instead of shrubs it's like 
aromatic or medicinal plants that exude these these aromas. So for me, as I shared earlier, the garden has always been a place I go to. You know, I I cry in the garden, I laugh in the garden, I scream yeah. in the garden. You know, <laughs> it holds this like space for me to just. And then I be with. I also, of course, I'm. I, I like being with the plants. I grow a lot not even to necessarily use or make medicine, but simply because I enjoy walking by them. Like I enjoy seeing them. I enjoy the subtle wafts of aromatics in the air, especially when there's like these these humid days, you know, so it releases these subtle uh, hints of the aroma, some more than others. I like you know, rubbing them and smelling and I don't know, seeing how they grow. I try and grow as many different species as I can. I mean, obviously there's some that I cannot like black pepper or any laying laying tree. Um, yeah. But, you know, I do at least try and get some unusual, like I have a couple of vetiver in the garden. I've grown really? it before. Yeah. So I have, I have two vetiver and it's just, I like to watch how it grows. And yeah. then of course I'll harvest the root and have like that part, you know, so I can have the hand, like that experience of smelling the root from the root, you know? Yeah. 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 No, yeah. no. Um, to me, they're kind of like, I don't want to say people, but you know, the native Americans always say that plants are beings because they're yeah. alive right? They might be stationary, they can't move around like we can, but they're still beings that are on this earth with us. And I just think that's so beautiful to see them as, you know, to see them, first of all, like to, to recognize that they are there, because shrubs, you just kind of walk by and you go, oh, yeah, that's a shrub, it just becomes like background noise. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, they draw your attention, right? To see a plant. I mean, you know, like if you're an aromatherapist and you're like, oh my gosh, that's mint, you know, like mint. Yeah. You know, or that some of these flowering plants like Monarda, wow, the flower draws you in. It's so beautiful. Do you know? It's like draws you in and then maybe you touch it or you look at it. But yeah, there's that theory that we co evolved, right, with plants. And so I find there's something energetically that happens you know and I'm not a woo-woo person but I do find there's a a degree of communication in in just walking through the garden with the plants and especially if you recognize each individual one you know yeah it's like yeah. And it might happen on different days. You pay more attention. I'm looking outside my window and I see mountain mint, which is a native mint, very uh-huh. power, potent, potent aromatics, a little on the spicy side, or, you know, it's like, so they draw you in, right? Yeah. yeah. They get, they get your attention just through their scent, don't they? I mean, exactly. visually too, obviously, but if you were to close your eyes, you could probably have a conversation with them just through, depending on the Being- time of day, <laughs> right? The weather. Uh-huh all of that. Absolutely. Oh, wonderful. Um, So can you just to educate people a little bit, um, for those who, you know, they might be interested in growing their own aromatic plants, but tell me, what role does scent play for a plant for the for aromatic plants specifically? What's the function? They probably have a lot of different functions, depending on the type of plant, right? Yeah, they do. You know, one of the main ones, like the volatile components that are in plants, so those volatile, the aromatic uh, components in plants, 
are like what we call secondary metabolites, right? So they're not considered like crucial to the plant's life. They're not producing sugar, carbohydrates. Right. And yet, you know, they are crucial in that <laughs> the aroma of the plant, it serves as this either they're going to attract insects or repel them to, to serve some type of protective functioning, which is why sometimes you plant, you know, something like calendula, we don't tend to think of it necessarily as an essential oil, but it's quite aromatic. And it is used to like in companion gardening to repel certain in insects and protect vegetables, certain vegetables, right? Ah. So the plant is using its aroma um, to attract. And, and it, I have a, like a quote from a, I studied with an economic botanist years ago, Keith Shaw, and he, he shared that scent appears to be a more ancient um, sense that insects use um, to be drawn to specific flowers. So insects tend to use both scent and color, right? So visual right. and right. scent, but scent appears to be the, the, the one of the earliest uh, senses that that insects specifically use. So things like bees and butterflies, um, luna moths, you know, they all have a very powerful sense of smell that they use to, you know, be pulled into this, oh, this plant is good. Oh, that plant is not. Um, so I'm going to, you know, grab the nectar from here. Right. So yeah, so this is a, an important part about how plants and insects communicate, right? Like when we mm -hmm. think, keep kind of talking about how aromatics are kind of a, a tool or our sense of smell. It's a way of communicating. Yes. Um, so yeah, it, yeah, but so it, that, it, that's the main one. I mean, that would be, I would say, you know, cause then we could take it out and also say, well, they also protect the plant from fungal infections, you know, not always successfully. I mean, you know, like yeah. there's plenty of trees right now being affected by certain um, bacteria or fungi rather. Um, that they don't have the capacity to, to fight against, but yeah. it is one of their roles is to, to have some type of um, protective or immune uh, like activity. Yeah. Yeah. I just read an article um, recently and it was talking just about how the bees are having a hard time finding, um, you know, being able to pollinate in, in certain places because the smog is so bad, just our air pollution is so bad that it's disorienting for the bees and that they're having a hard time finding the right flowers to pollinate. So that's sad. Well, that is, no, like bees, it's, they, I believe they have something like 170 to 180 receptors for smell and they rely on it intensely for that yeah. reason. So I'm, I'm sad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we need to work on our air pollution, not only for humans, but also for our insects. For bees and, and, yes. and, and butterflies. I actually, I was just doing some research on the butterflies. I didn't realize how much they use their sense of smell and how it's a primary, um, considered one of their most important senses and you think oh a little butterfly you don't realize yeah, yeah. it's actually always using a sense of smell that's right yeah. that's right hey i just wanted to let you know about a great free resource i have available if you're interested in harnessing your sense of smell to support your well-being 
Just go to the link in this episode's show notes to grab this free resource, which will explain how smelling can support you just as much as other things you do to stay well, like exercising and eating healthy meals. I share smelling exercises you can do with essential oils, everyday aromatic items in your home, as well as nature itself to help you identify scents that you respond to most that can help lift your mood, reduce stress, and begin to shift your body back to center. So after you listen to this episode, grab my free resource and learn to smell to be well. Okay, so let me ask you this. So being um, in the aromatherapy field, you use essential oils, right? And when we, all of us who are interested in using essential oils, one of the things that I've come across in the, I I haven't been doing it as long as you, but I noticed that a lot of people are so focused on the liquid in the bottle, they forget to make the connection to, (laughs) to the plant, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That they're actually, this liquid used to be plant material that's now been extracted. So, you know, what should people understand about the relationship between the plant and um, the essential oil that we like to use. Yeah. I mean, do you know, that was probably more widespread in the earlier days of aromatherapy where it was like more, well, we didn't have such easy access to distillation equipment like we do right now. And I think that's really helping to bring, um, plants out more. And then, you know, there was a real division between herbal medicine and aromatherapy. So, you know, there was in those early days, they were just seen as so, so distinct and not woven together, even though they had a history, it was like kind of forgotten. Um, And aromatherapy came in, you know, as through this massage type of, of, of place. So anyhow, but yes, more early, I noticed a lot of people just, yeah, it was like the bottle, the oil. And so, but thankfully what I find is more and more, and I think that having access to the distillation equipment is, is helping to transform that into growing these relationships with plants because I think every aromatherapist would love to see distillation, right? (laughs) And so part of distillation is to harvest the plant material. And I think that initiates, you know, I, I believe whether it's the essential oil or the aromatics directly from the plant, it reaches a part of our mind. Like if we don't have a, it's like opens a tiny door for those who don't have experience with plants and for some, they may follow it. It may ignite like this interest, like, oh, I want to know more. I want to experience the aromatics right from the plant. I'm going to go to the garden. I'm going to go to the botanical gardens. I'm going to grow a plant. Do you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I sense that if people just get that initial exposure, there's a, this reawakening, which creates a desire to, to, to know and to, to further the, those experiences with aromatic plants. So, you know, for sure, there's a lot of people who still don't get exposed to the plants. But I know one of the things we, we had a great conversation, not but a, what, a month ago. Yeah. And what I what I shared with you is that one of my things about growing and beginning to, to share more, like say, in a retreat or whatnot, is that I think as as we smell aromatics from the plant, 
it not only a strengthens our sense of smell, right? Like any type of conscious smelling and being aware strengthens the sense of smell, but it expands the olfactory palate. Do you know, in the early days, they used to say we could only smell like, I think it was like 10,000 odorants. I was like, how do they know? Like, how do they know that? Like, how do they know we can't smell like a million? Do you know where did that number come from? Like, when does it stop? (laughs) How do we know? So, um, and I share this story about tea tree you know as when I was working with the essential oil I don't know I just like fell out of love with tea tree I was like it was overused it's like yes. you know sometimes whatever is really popular I'm like okay I'm not going to use that I'm going to try and find something <laughs> different and so I kind of tea tree fell out of favor with me I wasn't very fond of how it smelled and then I grew the plant like a couple of years ago in my garden and um And I just noticed as I like interacted with the plant and smelled it, it made me perceive or it helped me perceive different elements of its aroma that then when I went and smelled the essential oil, I was able to pick up nuances that I had not been able to before that. So I feel like the plant helps kind of expand our perception of the essential oils we're working with. And, you know, again, like I've yet to come across any Langy Lang tree. I hope one day I, I, <laughs> I do, you know, but yeah. for the ones that I have, it's like, yeah, it's really expanded and, and, and empowered my sense of smell to smell those, the nuances, not just those, you know, this component or that component, but these subtle qualities of its smell. Yeah. Is there any plant that you were particularly surprised by, like when you first started growing it, that was, you know, that was different to the essential oil or better than the essential oil? I don't know, just something that surprised you? Yeah, I would say, well, I would say that the tea tree experience for sure. Okay. And then I also grow uh, eucalyptus uh, citriodora. And, you know, as an essential oil, it can be quite sharp and, you know, kind of a little aggressive but in the plant it's powerful as well actually I'm going to smell a little right now but (laughs) it also has a a, a gentleness to it you know so kind of I don't know like yeah it takes the edge off a bit right it it takes the the edge off exactly we don't get that I think there's just a fuller range of aromatics and so again it's it reestablishes a different relationship with the essential oil yeah. yeah. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So tell me a little bit about buying arom- aromatic plants. I mean, I know you're in Virginia, so it's, you can probably grow a lot of things, but if people are in different parts of the country, the world, a lot of people listen to this podcast in other parts of the world, where do you think people should start with, uh, with growing aromatic plants if they want to get to know <laughs> get yeah no, and, and you do have to make it relevant to where you're you're living yeah. you know mm-hmm. like find either go to a botanical garden if, if there's one in your area and start looking at you know like go to the, the most botanical gardens will have a herb you know section so you can mm-hmm. see some of the herbs They're, those are usually they can pretty much many of them can grow just about anywhere um maybe even in a pot right if you only have a in a pot exactly (laughs) in fact with with the like things like mint you want to grow them in a pot because you don't want to put them in the ground so yeah like mint is a good one spearmint peppermint 
And, you know, it reminds me too, like thinking like, yeah, spearmint, peppermint, geranium is really easy to grow in a pot during the summer months. You can even bring it in over if you you get winter cold, Mm -hmm. you know, bring it in, it will survive and then put it out the next spring. Um, But to start with the commonly that go to the garden center and see what aromatic plants they're selling, you know, because what they're selling is going to be what grows in that area. I know in the United States, it seems like, at least in the places I've lived, be it Seattle or here in uh, Virginia or North Carolina, a lot of garden centers will sell, um, you know, plants that are indigenous or or native rather to that area. So look for those plants and many of them are aromatic. I mean, you know, there's so many aromatic plants or like if you're lucky enough to live in a place, you can grow rose without spraying it with a lot of pesticides, you know, grow rose. And And grow the uh, aromatic roses. There are a lot of them that aren't even aromatic these days. Exactly. (laughs) That's what drives me nuts. I smell so many roses and I'm like, I don't there's not much I, smell here. Where's the I scent? I know. I know. You so know, many hybrids. Like, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. When I lived in Seattle, I grew a lot of like uh, cultivated roses. Like I remember I had one, it was a yellow rose and it was called Toulouse Lautrec. It was just like <laughs> the most beautiful aroma. It was, yeah, no, I totally agree. Well, that, 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 you know, the rose, there's a whole history. I'm sure you probably talked about it with someone, but <laughs> whole history of how it went from being this aromatic plant to representing, you know, the age of reason where it became about form and function. And that's when, you know, the aroma became less valued and it was yeah. about how the rose looked, right? You see these like perfect roses. And then a lot of times these days I see like, even the color, it's like, that's not a natural color for a flower. It's like they're manipulating even the color and it's so unnatural. It's like, you know, there's no green in nature that looks that green. There's no orange or pink, you know, it's like, so not only are they playing with the scent, they're playing with the color and how it looks. Right. It's so depressing. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, yeah, definitely don't give me roses that have no scent. Right, 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 right. (laughs) You know, the one of the things that I can grow here pretty well is lavender. I'm so grateful for that because, it, you know, once it's established, you don't need that much water for the plant. And it's, it's, I, I just, it makes me so happy. And I love to kind of see the lavender plant throughout the different times of year because it is a perennial right so you just keep it in 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 the ground and I I like to see when it starts you know starts to attract the bees I'm like oh it's that time you know where everything's in full bloom and then what time of day they come out there's so much you can learn just by observing the insects that that visit the plants Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, we have a lot of hummingbirds here. Well, we had two hummingbirds. I think they had babies. So now we have about five. And so, um, yeah, so they're at the feeders, but but not but a month ago, the Monarda was blooming, right? And the Monarda, any of the Monarda species, right, have those perfect kind of flowers that, you know, for the hummingbird. And it, it just loves the yeah, the, the, the Monarda to, to drink from. Yeah. yeah. We have some yeah. hummingbirds too, and we have a lot of succulents here because, oh, yeah. you know, and succulents, unfortunately, I mean, I, I try to smell them, but they don't have that same air, you know, they're not aromatic plants as such, but the, the flowers that 
that come out of those succulents sometimes are gorgeous and the hummingbirds love the ones you know that are more like bell-shaped flowers and oh exactly their beaks in there It's, it's so beautiful to watch them yeah yeah I agree I love it For people who are just trying to get started with this, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who are already avid gardeners and know what to do, but just looking for some tips as someone who isn't as advanced as you are, Jade. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you said, you said, start with calendula. That's a great place to start. Start with the, anything local, go to your local um, gardener. Garden I mean, center. Yeah. yeah garden garden botanical center. garden. Yep. Yep. And then, um, once you've got your aromatic plants, are there any tips for taking care of them? Do you have any watch outs, things that we should be aware of? Yeah. Do you know, in general, they, they, they tend to be, well, you know, again, it depends on what you're trying to grow, but if you stay within like the culinary herbs or, do you know, some of these easy to grow plants and, and I, I use calendula because calendula will grow for anybody. Do you know, calendula oh, wants to grow. It's like so easy. I remember when I lived in Boston, I had an apartment and on the fire escape, I'm sure it was illegal, but I put out a, <laughs> you know, a sea tray of, of calendula seeds. And I loved walking home. I would look up, I'd see my calendula flowering. And, Aww. you know, again, it's not necessarily an essential oil. We tend to use it like as a CO2 or herbal oil but it's so resinous and so aromatic I just you know it's just a nice plant for those yeah I know herbalists that don't have a green thumb and you know they just (laughs) go out and you know and if you can't garden if you can get into the woods and just you know take a sprig of you know pine or yeah um, spruce or fir you know hemlock where you know depending on where you live but you know, you have to get to know each plant. I mean, in general, plants need, you know, it, there's a saying like feed the soil, not the plant. So mm. you're always, you want to make sure you always start with good soil. And yeah. some plants, like some of the culinary herbs actually like poor soil, you know, ah. they want soil that's, you know, if you think of where they grow in France, like thyme, and, you know, they tend to grow in these more arid like not a nutrient dense soil, like even rosemary, it's like, it doesn't need beautifully, you know, composted uh, soil. So, so getting to know um, which plants, whereas calendula wants a robust, healthy soil. So it's like getting to know what types of soil that plant's going to thrive best in. Um, and there's, you know, there's so many great gardening books out there and, and her, it, like herbal gardening books. Yeah. Um, and the internet is just wonderful. In general. And the internet. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry. I see me. I'm like books. I still like to open a book. Absolutely. But I mean, just I, to, I mean yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and get to know, and of course, you know, what does it need? It needs soil and what else feeds it water. Do you know, it needs to yeah. have access. To, to water, whether it's, you know, your climate is, is nourishing it or you're, you're having to water, but those are, pro- and give it love, like acknowledge it. Cause I think yes. there's science. I mean, I do believe there's studies yes. showing if you sing to it, a plant or talk to it, or, you know, yeah. play music for it, it. There is a element of positive growth within the plant. I don't know. Have you heard of these studies? Yes, I have. I have absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, the little bit that I do, we, you know, going around my little garden, um, we're growing tomatoes right now. And just, just 
even they like to be touched sometimes, you know, not every plant likes to be touched, but they see it as a defense mechanism, but some really enjoy, you know, they think that it's, it's, Absolutely. it's communication in a way, right? Absolutely. And I mean, some plants, they like, you know, you harvest like calendula is another good example of the more you harvest or, you know, clip off the flower heads, the more it has flowers. It's like, it, it, it wants you uh, to cut it harvest <laughs> or yeah. cut it, you know, or move off what's died. Yeah. Absolutely. So okay. I know one other thing that we had talked about that I think was part of our conversation of, you know, why uh, aromatic plants, one of the things I think a lot about these days, because, you know, I know people of mixed and varying income uh, or economic um, levels in the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, essential oils are expensive, right? It's yes. like, I don't, I, I wouldn't go to a store and buy an essential oil because even I look at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like $15 or $20 yeah. or whatever, do you know? And I think, well, I'm, I, I could go and get it wholesale. So, but I think of a lot of people as like, this is expensive. And so, you know, the herbal world's done a great job in addressing kind of underserved communities. Whereas I think with aromatherapy, it's very expensive. A herbalist can go out and harvest plant material for free. You know, they can grow it. It might be a wild species that grows in their area they can harvest. Yeah. Whereas everything in aromatherapy, we have to buy, we have to, you know, purchase. Yes. So, you know, I thought, for me, with some of my friends, I'm thinking, well, I know they can't afford lavender, you know, even lavender can be yeah. very expensive. Sure. And so, but they could afford a little uh, lavender flowers, right? Or yes. a little wreath of dried lavender, or, you know, oh. even at the grocery store, buy a little bit of ginger, if that was the aroma that was calling or cardamom powder, you know, there's ways of utilizing the power of aromatics that's yes. not just we have to use the essential oil you know and i think there's just i think that's important to start bringing to 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 people who want aromatics in their life but simply cannot afford to purchase the essential oils so i i couldn't agree with you more it's absolutely my mantra that's why I, I focus a lot on just getting people to use their sense of smell and using it in their everyday life. And that means just getting things out of your everyday cooking items, right? Your spices, your absolutely. Herbs. Just absolutely. start, you, you get, not only do you get flavor when you eat it, but you also just get the enjoyment while you're cooking with it or just sometimes stick your nose into your spice cupboard <laughs> just enjoy the absolutely aromatic. I mean I put oh. cardamom in my coffee and every oh. morning I just love the way I mean it just immediately uh makes me feel happy you know to smell cardamom if, yeah if I could get you know a hundred dollars for every person on my podcast who's mentioned cardamom I think there's I I I don't know if I attract people who love cardamom because I do too, but I think every single person mentions cardamom on my podcast. It's so fascinating. That's awesome. Do you know, well, and it's an international spice, right? I mean, cardamom yeah. kind of has been woven through many cultures. Yeah, it's true. It's great. It's, I just feel like it's coming to the U.S. a little bit more in, in, in yeah. like, you know, growing up, I grew up in the Midwest and people didn't really talk about cardamom, I have to say. So it's helping that culinary cuisines from all over the world are are infiltrating all of the U.S. now it's it's so helpful because I think then people start to experience these different flavors and aromatic spices more so it's really good absolutely 
Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but there's yeah. our cardamom. It's mentioned again. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, one last thing I wanted to ask you just for those who again might be living in an apartment living in a big city um, I know community gardens are also really wonderful and if you just I think there's communitygardens.com maybe here in the U.S. something as simple as that but there there's opportunities even if you you know aside from growing things in a pot on your balcony or in your fire escape um, there's also community gardens you might be able to go to and then you can also talk to others and learn how they're growing their plants and you know learn to grow yours there as well I thought that would be a good little tip I love that absolutely and I've actually driven by a number of community gardens lately and there does there's like you know people not just are not just growing vegetables but plants like like flowering plants right yes. Either they want the flowers or do you know so absolutely I love that idea actually like yeah if, if you can get a plot and 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 grow the plants you want to build a relationship with or that grow in your area yeah. I think that's a fantastic idea and yeah. I love that you can also then you know you meet other people there and they can tell you what they're growing and you just learn that way as well I mean you don't have to get everything from the internet it's nice to be with human beings as well. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, that's what's nice about botanical gardens is, you know, you can yes. explore and, 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 you know, there's often people there that can talk to you about the native plants that are growing or plants that do well in that climate, or to even just experience if you don't want to grow plants, you know, to experience them in that way. I know wherever I travel, I, I go to either conservatory or conservatory, what do they call them? Conservatorium. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and like I remember years ago and outside of, um, and somewhere in Pennsylvania, the DuPont Gardens, Longwood Gardens, you know, their conservatory had black pepper. I'm like, I'm never going to see black pepper. And here's black yes. pepper. I got to, you know, see how it was growing up and, you know, the vine and it, it wasn't, it didn't have the peppers seeds uh, oh. you know, the peppers that weren't blooming but it was still nice for me like I, I you know that's my thing like oh my god there's black pepper oh my black pepper yes, I'm gonna sit by yes. you and visit with you and watch you you know how you grow so so we have um here in San Francisco at the botanical garden we have I think we have ylang ylang you can see so <laughs> you got to come to San Francisco <laughs> to see your I would love that I mean yeah. I have students all over the world too and they share with me like oh I walk out and there's a nutmeg tree in my front yard oh. like, tree. imagine having a nutmeg tree <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited that I have a fig tree outside my door that's already exotic for me but nutmeg that'd be cool <laughs> I wanted to talk about your beautiful Yarrow Mountain Farm. This is um, a place that you've recently created, right? When did this come about? Tell me a little yeah, bit about I, that. Tell I, me about it, it. Yep, I um, bought the land uh, three years ago. It's uh, 70 acres. It has forest, a lot of pine, like a Virginia pine species grows here, um, pasture. And then it had been used before the maybe two owners before me actually grew vegetables for the farmer's market. So, oh. and it was organic. So the garden beds were already um, in, with healthy soil. Good. And um, it came with, you know, it has cabins, I have four student cabins. I have two uh, full on cabins that are, you know, like kitchen, bathroom and whatnot, a bathhouse. 
um, quite a large garden where I'm, you know, I've been growing plants. That was the first thing I did actually. Once I signed my documents, I came and started. The first thing was the gardens, like getting them up and running because it was March, so I could plant. You know, it was planting season. Um, and my goal, you know, we actually have only, we haven't run a retreat. We were hoping to run retreats this year, but that we're, we're in rural Virginia. So getting work <laughs> done around here is like takes, you know, our bathhouse was supposed to be done in March and it wasn't done until the middle of June. Oh. So, you know, the bath, it's just, everything has been taking so much longer than I had planned. Yeah. So we're going to start our retreats next year, 2023. And then also this summer, it's like, you know, this is the first summer people have been able to travel a lot more freely Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, outside of, you know, the pandemic. So yeah, I just feel like next year will will be finally because that's how long it's going to take here in rural Virginia to get people to do what they need to do for us. <laughs> oh, it's everywhere right now, I think. But yeah, I can imagine. It's true. It is everywhere. But yeah, and then the rural places, it's like, oh, how do I find this person? <laughs> um, but it's and, you know, we've built a yurt, a beautiful, a 30 foot yurt, so it, it has a great space um, for classes that we'll be offering. And, you know, I'm a big distiller. I like um, doing my distillations, both nice. for personal healing and also for the hydrosol. Yeah. Um, in fact, my sister's visiting. We're about to do a evening of foot baths and mask and Aww. kind of play with some of the aromatics um, together um, this evening, just to have like our little mini spa night. Nice. Um, but yeah, my goal is to have people be able to come here and if they have not experienced certain aromatic plants that, that they'll be able to have that experience, um, seeing them grow, uh, you know, do some plant studies, distillation, some harvesting. And we have, you know, even the native trees. So like I said, we have pine, but we also have like witch hazel, um, mm. goldenrod is a native to this area. So, you know, yeah, building the relationship again with, with plants. And then I, as I, you know, naturally it enhances or deepens the relationship we have with essential oils. Yes. Yeah. Here, here. <laughs> no, I think yeah. that's wonderful. And I'll put, um, information in the episode notes and also in the episode, webpage so if people are interested in learning more and you know keeping tabs yeah, on when you, you start offering classes then um you know feel thank free to you. go there and check it out so i like to ask my guests a few questions at the end i gave you the three questions are, are, are you ready to to share let's get to know jade shoots a little better <laughs> um, i'm ready your, you're ready good 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 so what's your favorite smell right now jade do you know, uh, such a great question. I love that. So, do you know, I have a lot of passion flower. It's not even an essential oil. And, but we've been harvesting passion flower. And I don't know if you've ever harvested it, but there's a certain no. smell. It It actually, I have to say, I like it right now because it is, I don't know, there's something representative of the humidity, summer um and very earthy so that would be a non-aromatic plant that right now is exuding it does i mean it has an aroma but it's, we don't distill right, it we don't distill it mm -hmm. um and then the other one right now is white sage it, you know i've been growing white uh -huh. sage for a few years and 
you know, I don't buy the essential oil, but I really love the plant. Yes. And so I, I purchase uh, starts. It's very difficult to start from seed. So mm-hmm. I get starts and then I just, and actually I was working with it last night, just kind of smelling it. I burned some that I had from my garden last year, um, just as like a sage, a, a smudge. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, white sage. Nice, nice. All right. And the next question is, do you have a favorite scent memory that you can share? Yes. So years ago, when I lived in Seattle, I went up actually into Vancouver, Canada to visit uh, uh, this man named Kent who had an aromatherapy company. Mm -hmm. And I will never forget, I got into his truck and I was like overtaken by this smell. I was like, he smells so good. I was like, <laughs> what is that smell? I mean, it was really like attractive and evoked this kind of, I don't know, this a joy and it ended up being vetiver and a lot of his products, he oh. used vetiver. I mean, I asked him, we were friends. I was like, what is that smell? It's like amazing. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's vetiver. And I don't know. So like vetiver, like it's, you know, it's just like, I'll never forget. Like, yeah, just getting into his truck and, and just being mesmerized by what the smell, like he, you know, obviously had used product with vetiver, his clothes smelled like vetiver. Oh. So yeah, I have that. And then I have some relationship with patchouli. I grow patchouli, you know, I love the way it smells. But if I'm anywhere like a store and someone, I, I smell it, I, I like have to find the person who's wearing it. Do you know, it's like, who has this smell? It smells so good, you know, it's like, yeah. so. Those People have be, a love-hate relationship with patchouli, I, I find, right? Exactly, exactly. And I have a great love for it. I don't know. There's Me too. About it. Like, I'll literally too. Like, hunt the person down, be like, who is this person? <laughs> <laughs> really, I'm not a stalker. I just really love the exactly. way you smell. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and do it like so less obvious. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. And the last question, what would you say are five smells that best describe you? Yeah. So, but patchouli would definitely be one patchouli because there's something in there about passion, you know, and, and seeking like, yeah, like looking out for, (laughs) I don't know, new, new things. Rose, you know, I grow, I do have a, I have, I grow Rosa, Rubicnosa and Canina. So although we don't distill them, well, Mm -hmm. We do distill in the CO2, the canina. So uh, the rose, just compassion, beauty. You know, I dry them, I infuse them. So rose for sure. Mm. Yeah. And then black pepper. Oh, you know, know, brought it up earlier. I just, there's a strength to black pepper. It's also one of the earliest experiences I had with aromatherapy in England. Mm. I had, um, chill blains, like poor circulation in the, yes. the extremities and black pepper played a critical role in helping uh, to improve my circulation. So okay. I just see it as like this powerful, spicy, warming, energizing, uh, like it's got an energizing yeah. essential oil. Exactly. And then yeah. Palmarosa, 
um, I like, you know, again, I, some of this imagery comes from growing the plant. There's, you know, it's different from say lemongrass or citronella or even vetiver. Palmarosa has this kind of fluid movement to mm -hmm. it. It's a delicate um, and flexible. So I, I like this idea of myself. I think of being flexible and fluid um, and then time. And time is a little bit yeah. like black pepper, but there's a strength to time, a resiliency yeah. to time. So that's one that I think of nice. yeah, in relationship to myself. Yeah. All that's right. I'm a, a little disappointed. Question. There's no cardamom in there. And there's no cardamom. <laughs> no, no. Although I could add that. I mean, it's always hard. <laughs> I'll to give limit. you six. Like saying, I'll give you six. What's your yeah. favorite essential oil? I'm like, oh my gosh. Every day I'm like, this is my favorite. That's well, my yeah. favorite. This yeah. is my favorite. <laughs> They're like your children. You can't have a favorite. No, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it really depends on the mood. That's why I always ask, you know, right now, at least, what, what are you enjoying? Because it could change with the seasons, right? And, and just your life absolutely yeah yeah perfect well jade thank you so much for joining me it was such a wonderful conversation i hope a lot of people go out and start growing some aromatic plants and they connect with them more and i want to just thank you for being here today absolutely and thank you it was great i really enjoyed our conversation so thank you for inviting me yeah Thank you for joining me on An Aromatic Life. If you're interested in learning more about your sense of smell from all different perspectives, subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends too. And it would be really helpful if you could rate the podcast so it helps others find it too. I also invite you to check out my website, falkaromatherapy.com, where you'll find information about workshops, courses, and other programs I offer. And make sure you grab my free audio training, How to Smell to Be Well, which you can download from my website. Until next time, remember to smell everything and have a wonderful day.